Good morning, Discover Church. I'm excited to be with you all today. Man, that is so exciting. Four years, you all have done an amazing job of faithfulness just through all kinds of trials and challenges. You planted this thing and COVID hit and you made it to the other side of that. And I'm so excited to see what God is doing. My wife, Carrie, and I have lived in the Northland now for 26 years. We raised our family here. All of our kids are graduates of Park Hill High School. And we watched the Northland just explode in growth in those 26 years. I don't know how many of you are Northlanders long-term, but we have seen schools and subdivisions and, and restaurants and everything built around us, and we haven't planted churches at the rate we've built a lot of other things in the Northland. So I am so grateful for Discover Church, your partnership with Send Network, the organization I work for uh, full-time, and uh, so excited to see what God's going to continue. Grateful for Jernigan and our friendship, and so excited he asked me to be with you today. I, pre- I pastor one of the pastors at Northland Church, which is just a across town here. So grateful to be able to slip away and be with you guys today. We raised our kids here. I see a lot of kids running around here, hanging out in the, the lobby area. A lot of kids were coming in. And we had this experience a lot as parents where your kids would want to do something that you either knew you weren't going to do, or there was a very, very slim chance you were going to do it. You ever have that? Mom, dad, can we do this later? And you say, no, nah, I don't think so. And they would say, please, can we do this later? And you say, no, I don't think we're gonna. And they say, come on, please. And finally, I would say this. I would say, we'll see. And that would kind of shut them up for a little while, right? And my kids picked up on that. And it wasn't long before, once in a while, when they really wanted to do something and I was saying no, that my, one of my boys, my twin sons would say, dad, will you at least say, we'll see? And I said, sure, son, we'll see. And that's all he needed. It was like, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? And it was that, there was really, in reality, there was no way it was going to happen. But me saying we'll see gave them a little bit of hope to just get through that day. We're talking about faith this month here at Discover Church through Hebrews chapter 11. And we're talking about this faith. It's not the wishful thinking of my boys when I said we'll see. It's a different kind of faith. Yesterday, I was walking across the parking lot. We were down at the lake, and I had a Chiefs t-shirt on. And this guy, he's from St. Louis, he saw my shirt, and he said, hey, how are the Chiefs going to do this year? I said, well, we're going to go to the Super Bowl, of course. And he said, why do you think that? And I gave him some reasons why I think we're going to go back to the Super Bowl. And then I said, but honestly, I have said that every year for about four decades. And so you really can't listen to anything I say because every year, every July of my life, if you said, how are the Chiefs going to do? You would, I would say, well, they're clearly they're going to the Super Bowl. In fact, every 4th of July for my entire life, I would save back fireworks in a box in my garage for the chance that we might go to the Super Bowl. And it was such a good feeling to drag out those fireworks and finally light them off a couple of years ago. I want to talk about faith today that's not the blind optimism of a Chiefs fan. And it's not the wishful thinking of a child that wants to do something special later today. We're talking about a very real faith in a very real God who is in sovereign control of our lives. It's the certain hope that the God who created all things loves us that he's redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ, and that he's guiding and protecting us according to his will throughout the entire course of our life. You see, faith isn't enough. What matters is the object of your faith. You can have faith in the wrong object and it be empty or worse, could be dangerous. You could put your faith in the wrong thing. So when people say to you, man, just keep the faith, that might not be enough. 
It depends on what your faith is in. People say, man, don't stop believing. Well, it depends. What, what are you believing in? Uh, uh, the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. It just says, don't worry. It gives me no reason to not worry. You can have faith. If you don't have it on the right object, it's empty or dangerous. How, if, you would, if you had, if, I'm not sure anyone here bought a mega millions lottery ticket this weekend, but if you had gone in on Friday and quit your job because you thought Friday night your numbers were gonna be drawn, that would be a really stupid move on your part. And you may say, but I really believed. I really had faith. Well, that was really a dumb thing that you did. You can have faith in the wrong thing and it won't matter. It can actually be dangerous. We're talking here from the perspective of God's word of a faith in the right object, a faith in our creator who has redeemed us and who has given us his word to be the authority and inspired guide for our lives. And that's where you all have been the last few weeks in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm gonna set this over to the side here somewhere. Hang on, that's a little heavy for that podium. I got this, I got it right here. Just so you think, he just put the Bible down. He's gonna try to preach. So it's all right in here, all right? I just set that over there, all right? So let's jump in, Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, turn there. Or if you have your app, go there. Let's dive into Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of people who had very real faith in the one true God. It's not a list of people who had blind faith or wishful thinking. These were people who really believed that the sovereign God was at work in and through them. And you've been looking at their lives over the last few weeks here. We've made our way to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. At this point, the author of Hebrews, if you're looking at it, verse 32 says, and what more shall I say? What more shall I say? He's been recounting these central figures of Jewish history who experienced God's power through the exercise of their faith. He's covered uh, men and women like Noah and Abel and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and, and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and Rahab hiding the Israelite spies. And last week as Chris took us through the life of Moses and, and his journey of faith and his life and ministry. And then he says in verse 32, I, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you more. It's as if he says this, some translate it this way. I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. And the author here does something I think is kind of funny. He says, I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you about any others. And he goes, oh wait, but there's more I'm gonna tell you. It's kind of like that pastor that gets to the end of the sermon and he's like, hey, in conclusion, and then he goes on for like 10 more minutes. That's, that's what the author of Hebrews, in fact, this is ironic. The very first sermon I ever preached, I was a high school student and it was um, on Hebrews 11 and it was 12 minutes long. And I think I've already used 12 minutes and we have 33 left. So I'm gonna go on and on as the writer of Hebrews did. So he goes on and on. He's gonna tell you about more people. He's gonna tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah and David and Samuel. He says, there are many more examples that I could give you. You could read the stories of these men, uh, many of them in the book of Judges, Gideon. Gideon, when the Israelites came under attack from the Midianites and they cried out for help, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, Gideon, come and, and lead your people to victory. And, and Gideon said, I, my clan is the weakest clan and I am the lowest of the clan. You're gonna use me? And God says, yes. In fact, God took an army of 22,000 and he whittled it down to only 300. Go to Judges uh, chapter six, you could read the story. He whittled that army down to 300 and through the faith of Gideon and that army led them to victory. Barak, who, who was, came up against the army of Sisera and his mighty chariots and he led an army of 10,000 men to victory. 
This is a guy, by the way, side note, if you ever have to go to a Christian Halloween party, do they have those? You go to like a thing where you dress as your favorite Bible character, you wanna dress as Sisera. This is the guy that when he was defeated by Barak, went into his tent to lie down and rest and a woman came in and drove a tent peg through the side of his head. Like you wanna show up at like a, a children's Halloween party with a, a tent peg through your head? It's, it's biblical, it's right here. Judges chapter four, five. Samson, we know Samson's story, perhaps. Delilah tricks him into revealing the secret to his strength is his hair, and they cut off his hair. But while he's uh, in this, this large building, he leans over to the pillars of the temple and he prays, oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. And with his faith, he presses against those pillars and brings down the structure, killing thousands of his enemy. Jephthah, the son of a prostitute, driven away from his family by his father's other sons, would be brought back by the Lord to lead the people of Israel in victory over the Ammonites. Of course, David and Samuel and others, they're heroes of the faith, and so much more could be written of them, but only a small sample is given here. But here's what I want you to hear. We're going we're gonna to get now, as we, as we move into verse 33 and into the, the points I want you to get today, we're going to see here is that um, the Bible says there's many, many more. We just named a few names, but they represent generations of followers of God who experience his power through faith, and they, they represent us today. You see, these are not, we go through this list in Hebrews 11, these are not characters from mythology, these are very real people who once lived. These are not superheroes from some Marvel series. These are very real people. These were ordinary people. Abraham and, and Isaac and Noah and Moses and Jephthah and Samson and David and Samuel. They're normal people who God used through their faith to do incredible things for him. And the same is true of us today. We can learn from their stories. There are timeless principles in this, the last few verses of this chapter that apply to us today. I want you to notice three things. We're gonna move on into verse 33 and, and, and through these next few verses. There are three things I want us to see about faith in our day. Don't just think about faith as something that Samson once had or Gideon once had or Abraham once had. It's the faith that our sovereign creator is calling us to today. There are three things I want you to see about this today. The first is this that faith puts the focus on God's power rather than our ability. Faith puts the focus on God's power rather than our ability. Verse 33, I want you to look at it with me. Verse 33 starts this way, who through faith, through faith. Now that's those two words, that's the key to these verses we're gonna have today. In fact, it's the key to the entire chapter. Over 20 times in Hebrews 11, you can go through and count them, underline them. Over 20 times in Hebrews 11, the phrase by faith or through faith appears. You see, this isn't a story about great heroes of the faith and what they did for God. It's how they put their faith in God and he worked through them. The focus is not on their accomplishments, but on the great acts of God done in response to their faith. All of it was accomplished in this chapter, by faith or through faith. This is a chapter that celebrates, uh, this is not a chapter that celebrates great men and women of faith, but celebrates a great God. And he says, here's what they did. Through faith, verse 33, they conquered kingdoms. They toppled kingdoms. People like Joshua and David prevailed through faith. Through faith, they enforced justice. 
Leaders like, like Solomon and Asa and Josiah, they led their people with wisdom from God in response to their faith. They obtained promises People like Abraham and Moses and Solomon, they saw the promises unfold through faith. Through faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. And you, you obviously we think of Daniel, but, but there are others, Samson, David, others who encountered lions in the Bible and were victorious through faith. Verse 34. This, now, now, again, we're gonna, we're gonna, he's going to give some more phrases, but through faith, that, that controls all this, verse 33. Through faith, they quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. All of this through faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived the fiery furnace through faith. Men like Elijah and Elisha escaped the sword through faith. Men like Gideon and Samson were made strong in weakness through faith. And many throughout the Bible became mighty in war through faith. Now here's some observations I want to make and then we'll talk a little bit about application at this point. What, what, what you want to see here, what we need to see here is that while they all held positions of power and authority, they're not praised for their accomplishments. They're remembered for their faith. They're not being praised for what they accomplished. They're being remembered for how they put their faith in God and what God accomplished. All of these men were flawed, but by faith, God gave them victory. What they all share in common is they overcame through faith, not by power or intellect or influence, but through faith. It took real faith in the, odd, in the face of odds stacked against them in such a way that God got all the credit. And now that's the same thing for us this morning in this room. Our focus should be on God's power, not our ability. I um, remember teaching my kids how to drive. Anybody taught a kid how to drive before in the room, all right? And, and I found that my kids would tend to go drift to the ditch on the right or the oncoming traffic on the left. And teaching a kid to drive is just like driving that wheel and just, oh, you're going to hit a tree or a truck. It's like, those are your choices here. And so much of life is like that. There is a danger on each side of the road. And, and if you drift this way, there's a danger. And if you drift over here, there's another danger. And when I think of this principle of God's word, that it is through um, faith in God and not um, our ability, I realize there's a, there's a ditch on each side of the road. On one hand, there is fear. You're facing something today and you're scared. You're facing a lion or a fiery furnace or an invading army or an opportunity to lead something in your life and you're afraid. The other ditch is pride. You are facing something and you're feeling really good about what you're going to face. You have a prideful self-sufficiency about you. And this principle from God's word should keep us right in the middle of the road. We put our focus on God's power, not our ability. This should be encouraging to some in this room and convicting to others. Encouraging to those who are headed to the side of the road where the ditch is fear. And you say, I don't know how I'm going to face this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You need to be reminded that it's not you who are going to get through it. It's God who is going to get you through it. And for those that have 
the ditch of pride that you're headed into, you need to remember you're not gonna be able to do this on your own. In fact, the way the whole chapter starts in verse six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So whether you have fear today or pride today, let's move back to the center of the road and realize that it's all about faith. Let me put this quote on the screen. At the end of the day, we ought to be remembered for our faith rather than celebrated for our accomplishments. I want to be remembered for my faith, not celebrated for my accomplishments. Do you want to be remembered as a great follower of God or do you want to be remembered as a follower of a great God? There's a difference. Will you be remembered for your accomplishments or your faith? The scripture says, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. It's always about the power of God. It's always about the power of Christ in us. So if you are afraid today, remember that it's the faith in God that gives us victory. And if you are prideful today, remember that it's faith in God and not your ability that will give you victory. All of the people listed in Hebrews 11 conquered through faith. Now, I want you to skip down to verse 36. And I want you to see the first word of verse 36 in the translation I'm reading from. It says others, others. There's a shift that happens right here. A shift that happens from these amazing stories of God's faithfulness, these amazing miraculous things God has done throughout history. And there's a shift right here to times when the story didn't have such a happy ending in this world. We're going to talk now about the fact, here's the second point I want you to see, that faith gives us the power to both prevail and persevere. Faith gives the power to prevail and persevere. Sometimes faith will allow us to see God's power in a really mighty, victorious way. Other times, faith allows us to trust God's plan in times of of trial. So our good friends Kendall and Tracy Hale this morning, and he said, what character do you get to cover today? Last week, um, uh, Chris talked about Moses and Journey can cover these others. And I said, I actually get to talk about the people that actually get sawn in half and get killed by swords and die. And he said, wow, they really did you right. Like, hey, we'll cover all the cool stories. You get to come on and tell the bad stuff that happened. Like, thank you, Jernigan. Listen, here's the reality. Not every story has a happy ending in this life. And we have to face that reality, be prepared for that. Let's look at verse 36. God did all these amazing things, but others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skin of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Here's what I want you to see. The key observation here is that faith has 
contrasting temporary outcomes. Faith has contrasting temporary outcomes. Faith can lead to victory, but you can also have faith and be persecuted. <clears throat> Notice the contrast here. If you just glance in, if you put all these verses together, some conquered kingdoms, some faced chains and imprisonment. Some obtained promises, others went around in the skins of sheep and goats. Some stopped the mouths of lions, some were stoned. Some quenched the power of fire, some were sawn in two. Uh, verse 34, some escaped the edge of the sword. Verse 37, some were killed by the sword. So how can some be escaped and some be killed and all have faith? <clears throat> it's because faith has contrasting temporary outcomes. Sometimes you put your faith in God and you see incredible victory and blessings. Sometimes you put your faith in God and you endure through tremendous trials. But all of them courageously and uncompromisingly followed God regardless of the earthly outcome. What's the application of this point to our lives? Sometimes faith gives us power to overcome and sometimes faith gives us peace to persevere. And I think everyone in this room is facing, uh, the reality is this, you either just came out of a trial in your life, you're right in the middle of a trial, or you don't know it yet, but you're about to head into one real soon. So if you say, man, I, I just came out of something terrible, or you say, man, I'm, this is so pertinent to me because I'm really struggling, or you might sit here and go, you know what, life is good. That's awesome, but that might not be the case by next week. And what do we do in those moments? We can have faith that God is either gonna give me victory or God's gonna give me peace. But either way, it's gonna come through faith. Through faith. Faith accomplishes great things and sometimes faith suffers great things. Sometimes you escape the lion only to be stoned. Sometimes you escape the fire only to be sawn in half. And here's what I would say here. Never judge a person's faith, including your own, Never judge a person's faith or question God's faithfulness based on present circumstances. Never look at your life. I had a friend one time who was, whose son was sick and he just said to me, Matt, I don't know what to do. I'm just, I've been praying, I've been searching, I've been trying to understand. There must be something wrong in my life for God to not answer my prayer. You see, he went under tremendous guilt because he said, I'm praying for healing and God is not healing. There must be something wrong with me. No, we go to Hebrews 11 and people of great faith got sawn in half. People of great faith got killed by the sword. People of great faith went around destitute and afflicted and mistreated. In these times, we have to focus on the fact that, that we will face tribulation. It's a promise. This is my problem with most Christian movies. It's like these movies, I mean, it's like they always win the state championship. The infertile wife gets pregnant. The, 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 the head coach gets a new pickup. I mean, they all, they, right? I'm not gonna name titles, but you know the ones I'm talking about. So many Christian movies end like, if you just put your faith in Jesus, everything ends up great for you. It's also a problem we ought to have with a lot of Christian preaching. That we ignore the fact in the Bible that sometimes bad things happen even though we had faith. <clears throat> in fact, Jesus said, John 16, Jesus promised us this. He said, I I've said these things to you that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You're gonna have it. 
The good news is he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. We'll get to that in point three. But he said, listen, tribulation's coming. First Peter 4.12, beloved, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so, much, so far as you have shared Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. What does he say? Don't be surprised as though something strange is happening to you. Um, 25 years ago, my wife went into labor. She was pregnant with our first kids, our twin boys. <clears throat> the due date was October 31st. And I had a mission trip. I was leading our students from Northland Church who've been there 26 years. <clears throat> and um, we'd gone, this is pre-cell phones. At least poor youth pastors didn't own cell phones in those days. I told my wife before we left Houston, Texas, that we were gonna stop at Planet Hollywood in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I went up to the counter and uh, gave my name and the lady said, oh my goodness, you're Matt. You need to call your wife right away. And she gave me a piece of paper with a phone number on it. I went to the payphone. You guys, kids can Google it later. I went to a payphone and, I, and I, I put in my, my calling card number to make the call, all right? And my wife answered and, and I said, what's going on? She goes, I'm in the hospital. I went into labor. They took me by ambulance and they don't know what's going on, but she was week 25, I think, of the pregnancy. And I said, okay, we're in Dallas. I'll, 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 I'll get there as soon as we get back. She goes, no, you don't understand. You got to come now. And so one of our youth leaders rushed me to the airport, jumped on a plane, got home. And uh, she, they were holding off this labor, research hospital. This doctor came in. They had a group. They would rotate in each day. A new doctor would come on call or on rotation that day. This guy was very stoic. <clears throat> and he just looks at the chart, closes the chart, and says, we have a really big problem here, and I just don't know what we're going to do about it. And he just left the room. It's incredible bedside manner. That was the lowest point for us in this journey. We were crying, we prayed together. After some time, I said, I'm going to go for a walk. I went for a walk, and I was just praying to God. And you guys have probably prayed these prayers. I was praying, God, if you will um, spare my boys' lives, I'll give you all the credit. I'll give you all the glory. I'll use this opportunity to, 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 to testify to others of your great power. God, if you will spare their lives, we will do all that we can to, to raise these boys to honor you and give you glory and give you praise. If you'll just grant this prayer, God, I will do all of these things for you. And God didn't speak to me out loud. I've never had that. I wish it would happen some point in my life. I don't know, maybe it would scare me to death. I don't know. But it was all, even those moments where God didn't talk out loud, but it's as if he did, like you, you heard it that clear. I was making all of these promises to God and the voice of God in my heart said this, what if I don't? What if I don't? Then what do you do? Will you still trust me? Will you still give me glory? Will you still use this opportunity to point others to Jesus if I don't? Well, by God's grace, nine days later, they were born, a pound and a half and a pound 15 ounces. On Thursday, this week, they'll celebrate their 25th birthday. And so we're grateful for what God did and we give God the glory for what he did. But it was a moment in my life where I had to realize, however God answers my prayer, do I have enough faith to say, I'm gonna give you glory no matter what? You see, this is a list of people that gave God glory when he shut the mouths of lions and gave God glory when they were stoned to death. 
They gave God glory when they were killed, escaped the sword, and they gave God glory when they escaped the sword. Will you give God glory regardless of the temporary outcome of your situation? Faith says, God, whether you give me the power to to prevail or you give me the peace to persevere, I'm putting my faith in you. Finally, faith produces hope that there's something better beyond this world. Faith produces hope that there's something better beyond this world. Not wishful thinking, not blind optimism, but settled and certain hope. Verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Some refused to escape, refused to give in, refused to recant, knowing that on the other side there is a better life. Verse 30, verses 32 through 34 address those whose faith led to victory. Verses 36 through 38 address those whose faith allowed them to endure trial. Some is the pivot point here. But all of them knew on the other side there was something better. There was something better. Some here represents countless believers, known and unknown, who demonstrated their faith in God by persevering in the face of trials and afflictions, and those who continue to do so today. And then verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, To all outward appearance, these people of faith were insignificant and unimportant, but the true situation was different, and the world was not worthy of them. They were too good for the world. The world didn't deserve them. This is different ways this verse is translated. They knew there was something better on the other side of their temporary situation. Those who endured trials could do so with hope that because of their faith, there was something better on the other side. Those who were martyred could face death with hope because their faith was in what's to come. Those who wandered in deserts and hid in caves did so with hope because of their faith. That's where the chapter began. Hebrews 11, verse 1, where your series through this chapter began with this verse, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I was studying this passage. I found this great quote. Someone wrote that faith is believing in advance what can only make sense in reverse. Let me say that again. Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. It's knowing that right now things don't look so good, but in the end, it's gonna be okay. Uh, Back in the day, it's so hard to do this today, but years ago, I would on Sundays, we would go to Sunday night discipleship things or church services or youth group, and, and I would want to watch the Chiefs game, but it wasn't over yet. And I would, another thing for you to Google later, I would go to the VCR, and I would put a tape in, and I would record it. Now you just hit the DVR, you know, and just record it. And I would do my best to not know the outcome until I could get home. That's impossible now to do, Right? because of Twitter and text messaging and, and you just, you can't. So you're just like, I'm just gonna know the outcome. But I'm recorded anyway. And if we lose, I'm gonna erase it like it never happened. 
And if we win, I'm going to watch it. Let me tell you, it is so fun to watch a game when you know you win in the end. Here's why. Because nothing matters. Quarterback throws an interception. I don't care. We win. A bad call by the ref. I don't care. We win. The other team goes up by three scores and is celebrating in the end zone. Celebrate all you want. In the end, we win. You see, I can endure interceptions and bad calls and the other team running the score up on me if I know in the end we win. Let me tell you, that's what the Christian life is about. It's about sometimes the call is not going to go your way. Sometimes life isn't going to unfold the way you wanted. Sometimes the play is not going to get run the way you drew it up. But in the end, we win. And that's why the martyrs could endure beatings because they knew there was a better resurrection on the other side. That's why people could wander in caves and hide in holes in the ground because they knew this world was not worthy of them. There was something better. We see this principle all throughout Scripture, 1 Peter 5, 10. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Yes, you will suffer for a little while. But in the end, the God of all grace will restore you. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Yes, there is affliction, but it's momentary. There is an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. In Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yes, there are sufferings in this present time, but they're not worth comparing to the glory that's coming. What does God want to do in your life today? I want to just consider how you might respond to this. As, as we talked about faith, putting the focus on God's power rather than our ability. Did that encourage you or convict you today? Do you want to be remembered for your faith more than you want to be celebrated for your accomplishments? Do you want to be remembered as a follower of a great God rather than a great follower of God? Are you facing fear on one side or pride on the other? Would you say today, God, I know it's not according to my ability, but to your power at work in me. God, help me not be afraid and help me not be prideful because you've got this and it's all about you. Maybe today as you consider that faith gives us power to prevail and persevere, that you realize today you may not get the victory you want, but God will give you the peace you need. You're either going to get the, 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 the experience his power or you're going to have to trust his plan and it's going to be through faith either way. Or today, I want to ask, do you have hope that there is something better for you? At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. 
Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you've found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.